Hello everyone, this is Chef Leisha Barnett, the Mindful Chef, and today is Memorial Day. It is May 31st, 2021, and I want to send my love out to everyone who is taking time to remember someone who was lost while serving our country. Memorial Day is all about those who lost their lives in the line of duty while serving our country. As a veteran, it always makes me a little cringy when people wish me a happy Memorial Day because I don't know that you could be happy um, knowing that your people were lost serving a, a nation that still doesn't meet the mark for them. Um, but Veterans Day is my day. That is in November. And if you want to wish me a happy Veterans Day, I will gladly take it in November because I'm still alive and I did not die while serving our nation. Um, that's just some lighthearted banter. It's been a very long, hot day, very long weekend. I hope you guys enjoyed your weekend and the extra time off because that is really what I felt like I needed. I got to do some real serious self-care this weekend and as you can hear from all the sounds i am in my garden in the backyard and i'm just looking over the plants that i took care of earlier today as the sun is starting to set and the temperature has finally gotten to a respectable degree because it was insanely hot today <laughs> And I enjoyed the heat, but boy, let me tell you, it was some stale heat today. Um, but the subject of the day is not the heat or Memorial Day or anything like that. It is the Netflix special High on the Hog, the limited um, special um, High on the Hog is something beautiful. I got to tell you guys, you are going to enjoy it. And I wanted to kind of dissect it a little bit. I don't want to give away too much information. I feel like this is now a time for, our, for everyone to just look and watch and take in the beauty and see it for themselves. And we can, you know, have some banter, some back and forth if someone wants to be a guest and, and really dig into it. But I will start by saying that the, the story is led by Stephen Satterfield and he is the founder of Whetstone Magazine. And I have a subscription to Whetstone Magazine and it is a beautiful magazine um, that is really geared towards sharing the stories of folks in food and beverage who are unseen in the uh, rest of the world. So it's all these indigenous and, and, and black and brown faces and, and, and just, it's beautifully done, I have to tell you guys. So if you are in the market to support a magazine that was created by a black man for people in the culinary industry so that they have a voice. Whetstone is for you and it's spelled W-H-E-T-S-T-O-N. And um, I don't know if this was his brainchild or if he was asked to produce it. I don't know how he got involved. It's just, it, it, it's great. You know, I'm glad he is. And the first episode opens with him and Dr. J, who is the author of the book, High on the Hog. And that's where the name of the show comes from. And, and Dr. J has done so much work in, um, in research and development in African diasporic foods. And she brought her perspective to it. And the first episode opens with them um, going to market in Benin and going out to eat. And 
it's beautifully shot. Like the actual film makes you want to be there. You just the the way the sun hits the sky and the and the melanin shines on the skin of the people in the in the video. It just makes you feel very warm and fuzzy, very excited to see these people and and, and for me it felt like hey, I might want to actually, you know, hang out with them. I want to get to know them. I want to go eat with them. Uh, there are several points in the in the series where the first episode really opens up with them traveling Benin and, and taking in the different uh, cuisines and talking about where things come from and the ties that the foods have to um, all sorts of places around the continent of Africa, but also other colonized regions like France. And then we get to a point where we see the the items come across the ocean here to America and what that looks like here. So you have folks like Michael Twitty who are involved, Adrian Miller, and uh, so many other people that are introduced that I didn't even know about that are, that really bring a story. They bring a story of what food in America looks like and how much of an impact black chefs and African ingredients have had on the food in America. So I think it's a really great history lesson. I feel like it's something that everyone who eats should take a look at because you might be surprised at some of the ties that different dishes have to things that are popular here that we eat today that were, you know, that are very deeply rooted into the motherland and then the entire diaspora. You know, there are several types of um, one pot meals that we see all over the diaspora that are versions of something else. Jollof rice, jambalaya, um, there was okra soup that really was a stew um, that ended up, you know, that looked like gumbo and all these other different things. And, you know, that looks oddly familiar. And then, you know, you've got Jamaican rice and peas and things like that. And you're going, all of this just feels like home, you know? Um, so it was definitely an exciting adventure to watch, to take a look at. Um, there was one area where I felt like it missed the mark and that was the engagement with the host. Steven Satterfield is um, really good at what he does. He's very knowledgeable as an accomplished sommelier, um, but his personality didn't translate on film as much as I think um, some uh, folks were looking for. But I can imagine in scenes like when you're in Benin and you are at the point of knowing that this is the last stop of the people who made it to America, you know, knowing that they were being shipped off and it, it, there were some emotional points and he got emotional and he got raw and all of that. And we got to see him, but... There was, there was just this little thing missing. And then there was really a lack of description in the food. As they sampled the food, I was really waiting for some of that traditional banter to go back and forth about the type of food they were eating, what it smelled like, what it felt like, what it tasted like, what the spices that were used were in, and all of those types of things. So um, I really had hoped that there was more of that. But at the same time, I feel like I would have been too busy, like trying to breathe in the presence of so many great 
chefs and historians that I probably would have forgotten everything I would have made notes on as far as discussing, you know, these things, right? (laughs) So I can't fault him for that at all. It is so exciting. I feel like it's high time that we have gotten a series like this that really resonates with the people. Something that we can point to, that we can say, listen, this is for us. We have worked very hard and our accomplishments to the world of of the of culinary and the way people eat has drastically changed um, over the years and, and black chefs are not getting their respect that is due. And I really hope that series like these actually help to remedy that a little bit and that we start to see a little more respect put on our names for what we have done and how we have shaped the world of American food, you know, because we know that a large portion and reasoning behind even the slave trade was specifically based in food. All of those spices and and crops and things that could be brought over here, like the colonizers knew that they were going to have to figure out how to make money to sustain the new world. They were going to have to figure out how to create an ecosystem in a world that um, they could survive in. So they had to have um, the ability to um, create things and make money. And, and what better way to steal people and, and force them to work for you and you can sit high on the hog, right? <laughs> I mean, that's an oversimplified way of describing it. But there's a sense of validation that I get as a chef to know that finally people are paying attention and that I'm not completely insane. I have been saying some of the things that were said in this documentary for years. I have been having conversations with people as recent as um, since Clubhouse has emerged, you know, having these conversations and explaining to people the mark that black chefs have had in America on food and where these ingredients come from and the techniques, you know, becoming a chef was a really respected place to be. And at some point, People only started to respect the other folks and not respect the black chefs who put just as much time and effort and energy into the craft. You know, there's this expectation that black chefs only know how to cook soul food, you know, and it's really difficult when I enjoy soul food. I cook soul food. But at the same time, I can cook everything else. I can put respect on that. And understand that, you know, when you are a chef and you study the five mother sauces and you study the techniques of cookery, right, then you could create anything. You can make anything. And yet here we are when folks are like sleeping on the black chef. So I appreciated the cinematography. I appreciate the stories. Um, There was a story of eminent domain in there. How today. You got folks who are growing food who are being pushed out of their land that they have been on for generations um, to make space for a highway. And it's shameful. And it's really shameful. And it, it, and it leaves folks with nothing to do. They can't fight it. They don't know how to fight it if they can. And they're just faceless individuals, right? People are just, they don't see them. So that was a touching story there that was included. 
and I just I don't want to give away too much I really just want everybody who is here to listen right now to the sound of this very brief podcast to to put it in the queue and take a look at it and really consider you know the beauty in black food and the wonderful nature of the black chef's contribution to food as we know it because it is an area of it's very frustrating when people don't recognize the level of skill that it takes to do what we do and as I went to the grocery store today I was getting ready to um, grab some salmon so I could make lunch for tomorrow and as I grabbed that salmon I noticed that one you know three-quarter pound of salmon was the same price as what I would pay for two pounds of salmon a few weeks ago like this is what we are faced with and we are being asked as chefs to provide these beautiful dishes experiences and considerations for the same dollar amount as we provided last month when the prices are not the same the level of time and energy and the in the pricing it's really really you know it feels like there is a worldwide shortage being manufactured because if we know anything about food we know that there's food there is food but by only providing a certain amount of food to certain regions to certain areas in certain ways is a man-made creation of a food shortage that will turn us all into a position of lack if we are not careful Um, it's one of the reasons why I continue to impress upon folks to just grow a little bit of something learn a trade if you are in a position where you can't grow something because of your climate because of where you live in your circumstance situation then everyone has something they can barter correct you have a skill you have a talent start to look at exchanging services with your neighbor your actual freaking neighbor the person who lives next door to you because pretty soon we are going to be looking at some other things that will not be available remember the toilet paper last year i know you guys remember the toilet paper last year was the most ridiculous thing ever like why people were buying enough toilet paper for three months i don't know but the toilet paper was was a problem and while we have recovered from the toilet paper there are other things that we have not recovered from in this pandemic and i do believe that in some ways we will see our health numbers improve But the economy itself is going to do a weird thing. It's going to do a weird thing. And at the center of that weird thing is going to be food. I live in California. We grow a huge percentage of the world's food here in this state. And in this state, there are high numbers of people who are without food. So something has to give. And watching programming like High on the Hog and others and purchasing the books and listening to the podcast and watching the interviews are all part of the bigger scope of showing the world, the producers of content, that this is what we want to see. This is the type of programming content we want to enjoy, that we deserve. We believe that this is the type of thing that you know we want for our children, our children's children, ourselves things that will be recorded 
forever and ever as long as we have access to digital files. So let's get into it. Let's make it happen. Let's figure it out. Let's continue to support. And while there are some areas where we might all feel like there could be some improvement, let's also consider to lay off and go easy on the criticism because I have learned a lot in the last few months in particular in chatting with people who are in the food world, in media, and everything is not always as it seems. And I think that's important to remember. Like no matter what, keep at the forefront of your mind that everything is not always as it seems. And just because a person hosts a television show or they're the voice behind something, that they actually have any freaking control. Because 90% of the time, they don't have a say in the content. You know, there are some exceptions, but to be really realistically speaking, we are dealing with, you know, people who might be the face of something that was put together for them and not something that they could have input on. And we have to be mindful and understanding and not as critical while also suggesting, while also saying out loud to those who do have the control, that was nice, but we would like X, Y, and Z. So it's a delicate balance. It's a dance of sorts. It's something that um, we got to kind of like, I won't say walk on eggshells about, but kind of tiptoe around just a little bit so that um, our, our big picture, our main objectives are not only made known, but also translating into something that can actually um, become a thing, you know? So I'm looking forward to hearing your feedback over the noise of the neighborhood. <laughs> I'm looking forward to hearing your feedback um, about everything, about the show, what you are looking forward to. And, um, and we're going to talk about it. And we're going to talk about it all. And it's going to be good stuff. So this has been a brief encounter with the mindful chef chef leisha barnett and i'm looking forward to chatting with you all again very soon and uh check me out um come back again and <laughs> i'll see y'all later it's been a great weekend go ahead and get you some self-care some chillax time and relax all right you have a good one bye